What if all you needed to get better in every way was available at the touch of a hand or the sound of a voice or even a vibration? Let's talk about how that happens, who can do it, and where to find them. I'm John Webster, and this is The Hesitant Healer. Greetings and welcome to The Hesitant Healer. I'm John Webster, and I'm here in this tiny little stuffy room with Lisa, (laughs) the sidekick. I'm not a sidekick. (laughs) No? No, I'm not. I say my trusty sidekick, Lisa Montano. Oh, all right. Um, you don't hi. want to be a sidekick anymore? I, no, I do. You're, I, my, you're my pokey. Uh, <laughs> you're my Baba Louie. <laughs> you're my Fred to my super chicken. Oh, God. Super chicken. for super chicken. Oh, my gosh. Haven't even thought about super chicken in forever. Nobody ever thinks about super chicken Poor anymore. Poor super chicken. Right. All right. So, um... Let's start with this. Okay. What? It's been a hell of a week. It really hasn't been a very... As weeks go, listeners, this has been a, a rough one. I will say that uh, without giving the information away that there was a health issue uh, with my wife, she is a thousand percent better and... Uh, Thank goodness. And will be home today. That's all I can say about that. And you, Lisa Kay, you've been dealing with some stuff too, and you're getting better too. Yes. Yes, I am. So, you know, sometimes life gives you lemons and you squeeze the shit out of them and all you get is pits, you know? (laughs) And and sometimes you add sugar to it and you make lemonade. (gasps) Speaking of, don't hate me. Oh, you made lemonade. No, 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 no. Even better. I've I've already told you this. What? I made peach cobbler last night. (gasps) Because as a bachelor, because my wife's not home right now, as a bachelor, I was bored to tears, and uh, uh, I made peach cobbler That's... with the bisquick. I, I went the bisquick yeah. way. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I fudged it. I I, uh, I didn't have milk, so I took the cream, and I added a little bit of water, and I, I took the sugar, and I split it between brown sugar and regular sugar. And okay. Instead of... Uh, nutmeg i added a little bit of clove and allspice you know i mean i yeah i, I, I got my jam on i All did okay right. i yeah. still i still baked it for an hour and it came out deliciously and uh the wow. peaches were awesome so okay so, all right enough about food enough about patter lisa yes sir who was your favorite teacher who was my favorite teacher ever I, ever oh gosh can I split it into two? Well, I'm gonna, so you okay. might as well. All right. So, uh, my English teacher in high school. Name? Uh, uh, Mr. Dutcher. Shout out to Mitch, Mr. Dutcher. Woo-hoo. And why was Mr. Dutcher such a good teacher? Why is he your favorite teacher? Um, I, Because he always challenged us, for one thing. And uh, he made us believe that we could understand, discuss, and have relevant, uh, deep ideas that were worthy of listening to. And At what age was this? Uh, 17-ish, 17. Did he, he treated you like an adult, too, yeah? He did, he did. Yeah. He treated, treated me and everybody else like an adult. We were in... Um, it was called MGM back then. I, I, it's like uh, advanced gifted classes. I don't know what they call them now. Were you a gifted child? <laughs> they thought I was. Still, still are, aren't you? <laughs> I was special. And um, did you ride a different bus than everybody? Else? No, I did. I walked did, to school. But thanks for asking. No helmet. No. Okay. No. Um, so he made us feel uh, intelligent. He made you feel smart. He made you feel special. Um, and he introduced us to some great, great literature. And uh, he was just, he was a great guy, really great guy. So he was my favorite, I would say, one. And number two was Mrs. Gross. Mrs. Gross was my chemistry and my physics teacher. And I have to say chemistry and physics. I, I hang you out. You took that in high school? I did. Chemistry and physics? And biology. Wow. Yeah. Um, I really think I was pretty dumb. <laughs> I really, really do. No trigonometry, no, no geometry, no cam, no yeah, none of that stuff. So, I mean, it turned out okay, but right. damn, I didn't. 
Well, plus it was Beaumont High School. Well, okay, yeah, okay. And uh, Mrs. Gross uh, was an amazing teacher. Uh, put in all kinds of extra time with us. If we had a big test coming, she would hold like physics night and we would all show up at the classroom and we would study and she would give us um, ideas about uh, what to look at and, and we all got to collaborate together and that was really, really cool. Now, while I took biology and chemistry, I was not, I was not the best biology, or I was not the best physics and chemistry student. Um, I certainly wasn't the smartest one in the classroom, but she had this true love of teaching, and she had this true love of kids and people. And um, even if you weren't the smartest one in the room, she sure made you feel like you were special. So those two, shout out to Mrs. Gross. Uh, I actually follow her on Facebook. So Do you? Yeah. So you still kept in touch. That was going to be one of my follow-up questions. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's the whole shebang right there? Well, the, well those are the two that come to mind. You know, we've all had awesome teachers uh, in our lives. Um, in fact... Wait, hold on. Well, you know, you were talking about physics. I bumped across, I, I'm looking for it here and I can't find it, but if you go to Instagram and look up physics, I think, and uh, I believe she's from Texas A&M, and I believe she's German, but holy moly, she does classes for these kids. Yeah. And she's got the very high voice, and <laughs> oh my God, we're going to do bubbles! You know, and I mean, there's a lot of screaming and yelling, and but it's cool physics-y stuff, right? Right, right. How come the salt moves across the... You know, I mean, she's yelling and screaming, but uh, I, I enjoy watching them. And, and <laughs> what I really like is her enthusiasm, and that's how you teach kids and get them excited, right? Yes, yes. The teachers that, that, that have always been... Um, the ones that made the most amount of sense to me were the ones that treated me like me. Right. The ones that engaged me. You may not know this, but yes. I was a difficult student. No. No, I I was, Lisa. It's true. <laughs> I mean, my dad used to say I was hyperkinetic, and the difference between hyperactive and hyperkinetic is that hyperactive, you have to watch them every three minutes. Hyperkinetic, you have to pe- hyperkinetic, you have to peel them off the ceiling every three seconds, right? <laughs> and and so. I mean, I was I was nuts as a kid. I was hyperactive. I was hyperkinetic. I was, I was, not engageable. And if I was bored, God help you. Right. And to this day, because uh, that that carried on to employment, uh, I have always <laughs> been a very difficult employee. But basically, as I learned. Uh, I learned in the army to sit in the front row because you can get your ass kicked if you don't. But I learned to sit in the front row, and I also learned I'm uh, a tactile kinetic learner. Right. I, I have to I have to have something in my hands, right. and I usually have to learn uh, by having two or three things going on at the same time. So I have to be able to draw. I have to be able to doodle. I have to be able to do something. Right. Well, they don't teach that stuff back in the '70s and '60s. That's for no. sure. No. You sit fucking still and you listen to me, and I, I'm just not that guy. Right. And so they they. They've learned a lot since then, you know, and Ritalin was not the fucking answer. And, and so... Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just... Let's say Ritalin was not the answer for you. All right, I'll give you that. But, okay. But because with an asterisk. Honestly, I'm going to jump in here. As a, as a former educator and a mom of several... <laughs> two out of three of my children... Um, You're a mother of two out of three of your children? No, I am the mother of all three of them. What I was going to say is two out of three of them had attention deficit disorder. And uh, one of them uh, was on a a medication for a while. And I have to say that um, I I fought it. I didn't want to do it. But honestly, I have come to realize that it probably saved his life. And it made a difference. It, it did, but then he got to be 17, and he said to me, uh, I don't want to be on it anymore. Um, I want to uh, to be more of me. And uh, See, it makes you not who you're supposed to be. I, I get that, but it also makes you not, not get on your uh, bike and ride in front of cars or jump mm-hmm. off the roof or any of those other things that... that uh, were a Whatever. very real Here, problem. Here's what I remember about Ritalin okay. and, and and being young, and this would be five or six years old. Uh-huh. Uh, 
I, I don't know that they would put you on at five, but okay, six. I couldn't, I couldn't feel anything. And I remember pinching myself to feel things. Oh. It made me paranoid. I heard things, people uh-huh. in the house or whatnot. And I remember not, uh, I just didn't feel like I was myself, right. although I couldn't articulate that at the time. Right, right. Now, years later, my mother tells me, so it must have been f- uh, five, six, seven, or six, seven, eight, because we were in California then, mm-hmm. uh, and it was Loma Linda. So my mother tell, told me, uh, years and years and years later, um, that after the study with me, the doctors thanked her because they learned so much. So I mean, <laughs> I, I was probably you, t- a test case, and this was probably pretty early on, seventy one, seventy two. You were the guinea that, pig that this would have happened with. So I mean, it, it, a, a lot probably happened between the time I was seven and the time your kid was seventeen. So I, I, I'll give you that as well. Okay, but we digressed. We so. Did. The teachers that were able to handle me, the ones that engaged me, the ones that found a way in are the ones that became my favorites. Right. So I don't have a lot of of, uh, grade school teachers that I can say uh, were helpful. I'll I'll even preface this and and go a little bit farther back. Uh, We've talked about Sister Joni um, in the last couple of years when the folks passed uh, I ran into Sister Joan Marie, who is still a practicing nun here locally, and I, I felt led to find <laughs> her and engage her and talk to her. And uh, over some of those conversations, she's like, uh, you know, your parents walked in and said, we don't know what to do with him. <laughs> <laughs> that was eighth grade, right? That was eighth grade, because I, uh, I only did one year of Catholic school at right. that school, and, and eighth grade, I was still that way. And she says they were at their wits' end and they did not know what to do with you. So uh, I don't remember it that way, but apparently, <laughs> apparently that's the way it was. I do remember breaking into shit. I do remember being uh, a problem child that got put in the corner a lot. I do remember girls hitting me a lot because I was awkward and an asshole. Mm. Uh, I wasn't trying to be. It's just that's just how it was. Mm. ADD and all the things that went with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know that between uh, freshman and sophomore years, when they sent me to Summit Expedition, mm-hmm. that, that uh, kind of like outward bound but Christian based, and uh, that kind of changed my life forever. And that mm-hmm. was serious alternative learning there. Correct. Right? Outdoor learning, uh, uh, a kind of um, uh, outdoor learning, an outdoor yeah. learning experience, but totally kinetic, right? I mean, right. rock climbing and mountain climbing. And, right. And, 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 it was and made for your kind skill, of learning. Yeah, skill services, you know, that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, we're going to bring my brother Matt back in here in a little bit. So we're recording, uh, we're getting multiple recordings on this thing today. So we're going to piece it all together in a coherent fashion. But right now, Lisa and I are riffing. Yeah. So I'll tell one story about... Uh, one of my favorite teachers, maybe two, and then because I have three, really, and okay. these are three people who, who made serious impacts on my life as teachers. Mm-hmm. The first one is is uh, Elizabeth Kimmy Smith, Beth Smith. Now, at the time in high school, dear old Beaumont High School, her name was <laughs> Miss Kimmy. Everybody loved Miss Kimmy's class. Now, again, in retrospect, I've since gone through and learned that at the time she was fresh out of college, uh, and uh, she, she was, was really close to your age. She then. was probably twenty three, twenty four at the oh, time, wow. right? Right. And uh, she hadn't been teaching long, but she was an English teacher, right? Uh-huh. And Miss Kimmy was was well, she was the cool one, and she was engaging. Right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that that sticks with me and will always stick with me. In addition to because I learned I learned through her and from her that every teacher has a subject that if you get them talking about it, right, you can waste an entire hour. That's right. Right. And yes. I was that guy that went to find what that thing was with the teacher. I would actually bet students. I bet I can get her to waste a whole hour by talking about X. Right. Miss <laughs> Kimmy's was the Elizabethan period. I distinctly uh-huh. remember if we could get her talking about the Elizabethan period, we didn't have to shit the entire class. Nice. Shout out to Miss Kimmy. Hello, Miss <laughs> Kimmy. Um, I have her as a friend on Facebook. She nice. travels the world now, and she became a writer. And ah, uh, cool. We had a twenty-year reunion or something. I reached out and invited her, and she came. So I mean, we're, we're, I think that's kind of cool that uh, she's still out in the world, making a difference and, and having fun. Um, so here's the thing that happened with Miss Kimmy. <clears throat> uh, 
I'll refer to my Spanish class because <laughs> because the only thing I remember from from uh, high school Spanish was Senor Webster, no toque la ventana, <laughs> which means Mr. Webster don't knock on the window because I would sit near the window and. Sp- Base and knock on the window when anybody came by and look out the window and 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 you could see clear out to Riverside from where where that school was and if if any anything crashed at March Air Force Base you could see smoke for miles I I, I can't tell you what happened in Spanish class uh, uh, How's your Spanish uh, Muy bueno <laughs> I learned kitchen Spanish when yes. I was a chef I yeah, learned yeah. kitchen Spanish Here's the other thing I remember from Spanish class It's just a, a little little digression is is on. Uh, at 12.34 uh-huh. on May 6th, uh-huh. 1978, yes. the, sequential, the sequential numbers were 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Oh, my and goodness. And I, I, I was sitting in the middle of the class when that happened, and I distinctly remember that. It okay. never happened again, right? No. Wow. Okay, so anyway, I was a window stare. And so in Miss Kimmy's class, I used to sit next to window two. It was towards the end of the year, maybe a month or two before graduation. I was a senior uh, I don't remember what happened up until that point, but she exploded and she screamed at me. I even think she threw a pencil. Ooh. And she said at the top of her lungs, if they gave grades for spacing out and doing nothing, <laughs> you would have an A, right? Or something to that effect. But I mean, it startled me so much that I was almost in tears and I sat still for the rest of the class, but I, she was really pissed. Oh, my. Right? In my high school yearbook, uh-huh. so this is a couple months later, uh-huh. when she signed it, and I did not see it until everybody was gone, she apologized. Oh, my. Tear. <laughs> and, and I have that in my, in my high school yearbook. Aww. But it showed me that an adult can apologize right and say they're wrong a teacher could be wrong right and apologize for it and it made a lifelong lasting memory that i've since used and shared right Mm -hmm. i mean that's a huge deal it's a big life lesson big lesson the word i was looking for huge life lesson you can apologize to a kid for making a mistake right uh and so, parents, you can apologize to a kid for making a mistake. Um, Randy Pouch, a guy who wrote the book called The Last Lesson. Oh. Is he, that it? The Last Lesson? Uh, gosh. I think it's The Last Lesson. But he, he was, yeah. He, he was dying of cancer, and he wrote a book. And he has a speech on YouTube. You, you can't miss it. Um, it's, um, I think it's like one of the first, is it a TED Talk? And it may be a Ted. I don't okay. know if they had Ted when he was dying, but I mean, basically, one of the things he says is, "Is do me a favor, your kids are going to grow up and want to write on the walls. Let them. Right. You can you can always paint over it. Right. I right. mean, lessons. It, it, how important is it that your fucking walls are clean when your kid wants to draw? Right. right? I saw another one recently. A uh, 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 so inventive. The kid had drawn on the wall some kind of thing, and the mother took a frame with clear glass and screwed it over the picture. Oh, I love and it. And put a little thing underneath that said, you know, uh, abstract in Mickey Mouse drawn by <laughs> Connor, age five. Oh, right? I love that. So, I mean, honor honor the kids with the learning uh, things, right? Right. Okay, so number two was Mr. Chappelle, Bill Chappelle. I, I, you know... I think he taught history, right? He, you think he, he did, or he was the guy that had the curly locks of gray hair and the big bushy beard, right. and w- wore uh, the the short sleeve shirts with the pockets, and and he looked like a freaking teacher. He's frumpy, but I remember him being sarcastic. I remember him telling jokes, <laughs> and he had a. He had a class, again, in my senior year, I think it was called Life Lessons or something. It had never been done before. He pitched this, and they and they they let him have it. You remember the old SRAs? Remember SRA? I do remember SRAs. SRA back in the day was a series of, of different color-coded learning apparatuses, 
and you started low and worked high right and and um, i got that right and well yeah they and, were they're kind of booklets in a way and you would test to see where to start and then then it would progressively move you forward right and but you could work at them separately from the rest of the class and because they were color-coded you'd know where you were last time and, and right. i remember them being in like these these containers where there was right. an orange container and the purple container and the red container. Uh, Bill Chappelle did this with this life lesson thing. So there were different areas of life. Life, death, babies, marriage, work, the all kinds of different things. And then there were within those infrastructures, there were different kinds of uh, job topics. Like one was a coroner and one was a doctor and oh. one was an obstetrician and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, you could go off campus and interview these people as long as you. Uh, what you did was you wrote a report about what these people did or what these job descriptions included or whatever, uh-huh. and then you went and talked to them and interviewed them, oh. or you went and did research about where it was, right. and you could write what time and who you talked to and get a signature. So right. it was kind of an independent study thing. That's kind of cool. But it was an independent study thing on life. Right. Now, my girlfriend at the time, Jolie, and I did one on having a baby. Not because we wanted to have a baby, but because it was like, well, let's learn about this. And I remember learning from that how fucking expensive babies were, right? right? I had no idea. Right. And what the hospital visit was like, right? Exactly. There was another one on, I think I did one on death. Maybe that's maybe that's where my fascination with death came from. But uh, how expensive it was to, to die and right. the casket and the... The, the home and the funeral home and all the things that went with that. And there were there were lesser ones and there were greater ones and there was an, a, a point scale that uh, uh, showed that, reflected that, so that you could get lesser points or greater points for bigger bigger projects, right? Right. It was a brilliant way to learn. In fact, my, my dad came in, uh, RIP dad, and uh, he was a computer guy at the time. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, this is 1979. Okay. He came in, he worked for IBM, and he was working for the county at the time, but he was a computer guy at the time, and he came in and gave this whole uh, speech on what the future was going to look like. Ah. He said there would be phones with like screens like TVs where you could talk to each other. He did not. Uh, no, 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 no. Wait, there's more. Okay. That computers would be hooked in every home, that wow. there would be home computers, and they would be attached to screens, and you could do things like program them that uh, if you didn't work out first, the com- the TV wouldn't turn on. Uh. Or, or you could order groceries from <laughs> your phone, and it would go to the store, and they would bring them to you. None of this shit existed. Right. This is even a little. This is science fiction at the time. Right. Right. It was like the Jetsons and Bri- the flying Brian cars. Brian Lanieri came to me afterwards and said, Brian Lanieri was a quarterback. Brian Lanieri came to me afterwards and said, Webb, man, your dad's freaking me out, right? <laughs> but he gave this whole class about, about all the things. He even talked about how TVs would be 3D and that they would project onto walls and you could literally walk behind the screen in three dimensions. Oh, my goodness. A- and... uh I used to say that hadn't happened yet, but now, now it now we, it does. We do that stuff, right? right? So everything he predicted came true. Wow! And and uh, he was he saw that twenty thirty years out, right? Right. So this was that class, right? So Bill Chappelle threw that class. So he was he really made a difference in how I could learn differently. Right, mm-hmm. that you didn't have to sit in a chair and stare at a chalkboard and listen to boring lectures about things that made no difference. Right, right. And then the last one was Bob Baldwin, who was my my teaching chef when I went to college and and was really lost after I joined the army. Uh, and we'll talk about him with my brother Matt when uh, when we bring him on. Uh, what else do you have to say about teachers? Um, I have a really good hold on I have all right well while you're doing that i will say because uh, my daughter's listening to this shout out to my daughter caitlin hi katie um we were just at a restaurant for breakfast a few minutes ago and my my all three of my kids were in choir in high school and the teacher slash teachers because her husband was one too uh that taught choir uh were sitting next to us i went and said hi to her and um and the husband and uh and she remembered me because i went to uh, Corey, my son's uh, Las Vegas choir trip when they were competing, and I was a chaperone, 
right? <laughs> and I actually went there because I didn't I didn't know I wasn't a full time dad. I was only part time dad, but I didn't think he was uh, socially progressing because mm. he used to mumble in single word sentences to me, <laughs> and I thought there might have been an issue. So I I literally went to go spy on him and. Uh, first day, I turned the corner and see him with all his friends. So I, I held back and I was just kind of spying and watching on him. He was totally engaged. He was totally funny. They were totally laughing with him. He was so hanging it, out with girls. It was it, just you. It, it was just me. <laughs> it was just me. So I, it was good. It was a good thing. I do. I found my. All right, go. Okay, you so, found your special purpose. <laughs> I did. Thanks. Um, the word teacher. Let's go all the way back. Traces its roots back to the Proto-Germanic word. Germanic word. Uh, Germania. Germania. Takajan, which means to show. So teachers are to show. And then it became into Old English, meaning to show, to demonstrate, and to live. So when I show you this, I'm teaching you? Uh, I (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're going to cut right here, and we're going to segue over to my brother, Matt. Uh, And here we go. So we're here with my brother, Matt Webster, who has a bunch of letters after his name that I don't even know about. So uh, he's in North Carolina. We're in Redlands on a very uh, gloomy, hot August, almost rainy kind of day. Oh, is it a hot August night? Because no, like Lisa, for the no, Neil Diamond no, fans out there? No, Lisa, it is not. Okay. The 70s called, they want you back. <laughs> That wasn't nice. Uh, we were talking about teachers, man, and, and can teachers heal? And the first question for you, my brother, is, hey, who's your favorite teacher? Uh, well, uh, funny you should ask. I just had a chance to see my favorite teacher. Uh, oh. We were just on a trip to the Pacific Northwest, and I found my undergraduate mentor professor and had a chance to spend time with her, and I have not seen her for more than 35 years. Want to give her a shout out? Uh, Susie Rudisill, Dr. Amanda Sue Rudisill, a.k.a. Susie Rudisill, who is vibrant and energetic and sharp as a tank, and it was wonderful to hang out with her. It was refreshing to me. One might even say it was healing to a certain extent. Nice. And so what did she do for you? Why is she your favorite? She actually put me on the path that I'm on. Um, when I started uh, my my college career, um, I had done a couple of things beforehand. I had done cooking school. Uh, I had Shut done. Up. Fire- when did you do cooking school? Was I in the army then? Yeah, right out of high school. Um, with uh, with Mr. Reeve in. Oh no, kidding! Palm Springs, yeah. Look uh, at when, that, kids. This is my brother, and I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. When uh, when I finished high school, I had everything set up with Mr. Reeve. So, uh, uh, Guy Reeve was a friend of our, our families. Um, he was a chef. Uh, he was a, a master chef. And we had set up a thing where I was going to do an internship with him for six weeks right after high school and then um, was going to apply to the Culinary Institute of America and then go to uh, do that. And then he had a restaurant in Palm Springs. His brother had a restaurant in Beverly Hills. And I was going to spend my winters in Palm Springs and my summers in Beverly Hills. Wow. The downside of all that being that when I got to the end of the six weeks, I went, I don't want to do this. And so <laughs> I didn't have a plan B. Um, so this I ended up uh, doing other things for a while and, and then ended up at my undergraduate was Cal State San Bernardino. Um, and But I've been doing competitive speech in high school. And was that's what got me into college was the ability to get on that speech team. And, and they sent me, me. If memory serves, you were really good. Uh, yes, I, I was I qualified for both the state and national tournaments in humorous interpretation. That was my that was my swerve. Um, and so when I got to uh, Cal State, the speech coach said, you should go talk to the acting professor. Um, she knows a thing or two about speech. So that's how I was introduced to Susie Rudisill. And she knows more than just about speech. She literally learned under the experts who wrote the book on these kinds of of competitive speech and this kind of public speaking. So through her, I got interested in performance. And once I got interested in performance, uh, she also had a company called the uh, the Imagination Players, which was a touring children's theater company. And that that's where my passion for that started. So she is the origin story of my entire 35 year career. 
So give me a for instance about what made you like her or why she pulled you into that. Because she has a passion for what she does. And that's something that's really important about good teachers. A good teacher will get you excited about what they're teaching because they're excited about what they're teaching. Um, When you have had a bad teacher, if you think back to that, think about the fact that they were sleepwalking through the lessons, the fact that they didn't want to be there, the fact that they either didn't know about or didn't care about the information that they were teaching. Those classes are brutal and you walk away with nothing from them because there's nothing to be gained. But when you've got a teacher who is absolutely passionate about the subject matter, um, who who approaches the material in unique ways and in fun ways, you can't help but get wrapped up in it as well, even if it's something you weren't necessarily going to pursue. But their passion is infective. And Susie's passion was definitely infective. Agreed. If if they're excited, you're excited. Definitely. And and so, uh, you know, as a teacher... And as a teacher of teachers, that's one of the things that I really drilled into my students was that if you want to be a teacher, you have to wake up every day dying to be a teacher. Right. It's it's not enough money. It's not enough respect. It's too much hassle. There's way easier ways to make a lot more money. But if you are passionate about it, if you wake up every day saying, this is what I want to do with my life, this fulfills me then yes, pursue it. And those are the teachers that really have the the greatest impact on their students. Nice. Yeah, you know, uh, Bob Baldwin, who was the chef that taught me cooking, I was I an was art major, right? I, I went to uh, San Bernardino Valley College to, to become an art major. And uh, I just happened to be cooking at the time in a French restaurant and there just happened to be a a local chefs association that had had started up, and my chef said wanted an apprentice. So he says you're going to go to school. I'm like, all right. So I started taking schools at Valley College. Well, this chef had been there for quite a while, and uh, I was I was already there, and I was taking art classes. But he recognized something in me that I didn't recognize in myself. And he turned me on to this sneaky bastard. He turned me on to food as art. Ah. Now this goes way back before TV as we know it. And what he did was he took four carousels of slides that he had accumulated over the years. And he put me in a dark room with the slide projector and the button. And he said, don't come out until you're done. And these were pictures of what we now see every day on the Food Channel, but but food shows and the Culinary Olympics in France and ice carvings and food carvings and aspic, which is gelatin-covered food, and, and, I mean, stuff that was of the highest, highest level of cooking. And by the time I was done, I was not only drooling, I was like, sign me up. And then he even took me under his wing and took me down into the basement and said, let me show you uh, how to carve ice. And it was there that, um, I don't know if I've told this story before or not, but uh, ice carving in the culinary world, uh, a block of ice that you carve is is four foot high by one foot wide by three foot wide. And uh, it takes a, a, a three or four days to make these things, and you get these blocks delivered. And he showed me, he took a piece of paper that was that size, and he drew on the paper, he drew a swan on the paper, and then he sprayed it with water, and then he glued it onto the ice, and then he, with a four-pronged ice pick, he chiseled around and around and around. And there there were also ice, uh, those are ice uh, picks, and then there's also ice chisels. And he had one or two small chisels. Well, I was an art major, so I already knew how to kind of do that, right? So... When he said, okay, now it's your turn, uh, I said, I don't need the paper. He says, what do you mean you don't need the paper? I, you, you just you just can look at it and see it. you know. And this is a real famous quote from my friend Julian Baker, who's an anatomist. He's like, how do you carve a swan out of ice? And the answer is, you carve out everything that doesn't look like a swan. Duh, yep, right? That's it. But, 
but it, 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 it it's how I viewed the world and it's how I saw stuff. And I've told story before about how my art that I couldn't give away or sell because it was so much of me transposed to food and ice because I could do the same amount of artwork on a plate and sell it and make money and you're going to eat it so you can't keep it right is super selfish i was way alcoholic at the time and then uh <laughs> the ice i could do an even higher level of of uh artistic sculpture and it ain't gonna last right and all the nuances of of you know learning how to break it and and you only break an ice carving at the end right they never break at the beginning right mm. and uh and how to how to travel with them and how to put them together and and that eventually culminated in uh going to uh, Fairbanks, Alaska in 94 and 95 and being in a world-class ice carving competition that I, I, me and my team took second place in on the second year. Um, so I tell people I'm a, I was a world-class ice carver, but none of that happens without this teacher who was... That's, that's what I want to roll back to. It's, it's not just, and it, but it very much is, but it's not just that they saw something in you. It's that they told you something. They put a, a, a bug in your ear that, hey, you might be good at this. Right. And if you've never been told before by a person you respect, by a person you look up to, by a person of authority, that they see something in you that they think has value, you don't understand the life-changing event that that is. Right. And teachers know especially teachers have been around a while, they see that moment when it's even in passing sometimes. You say to a student, you know, you're a good writer, you should consider that. And suddenly their eyes kind of open up a little bit and you can tell no one has ever told them that before. Right. Yep. They take it immediately into heart and it changes the perspective of their life. It changes the direction of their life from that point forward. Because maybe inside they thought, you know, I, I, I think I'm a good writer. I like to write. I, I'm good with words, but what do I know? And now here's someone who validates it. And it's someone who's coming from a position of authority, someone coming from a, a position of mentorship. And it is literally life-changing when that teacher sees in you the thing that you don't see in yourself. Oh, so true. You can't admit to yourself because, you, you know, I, I, it's not really true or I'm not that good or whatever. To have that validation is everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I, um, I have a, a quick story to throw in there. So, um, I already mentioned my favorite teacher. One of my favorite teachers was uh, Mr. Dutcher. And uh, I was a senior in high school and we had to read Wuthering Heights. Oh my God. Hated the book because, you know, it was towards the end of senior year. Do I really need to do that? So I watched the movie <laughs> and, and then I went and bought the Cliff Notes. Remember Cliff Notes? Oh, Cliff yes. Oh, yes. 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 So, um, we we got our essay. We took it was just all essay test. Took the took the test and voila! It was one of the questions because Cliff Notes always had like sample questions at the end, right? So read it and it was almost verbatim the same question. So excited! I'm going to ace this. And Mr. Dutcher would uh, put our papers down in front of us with the grade on it, and and we could all see the grade, right? So I'm kind of in the middle. A, B, B plus, A, you know, going on. And I'm thinking, I got this ace, no problem. And it has a very big red F on it. And it said, great ideas, but Mr. Cliff had them first. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> Yeah, so you got, you got I did, and and I was just like I was so embarrassed. I could not grab that paper fast enough because everybody, you feel like everybody's looking at you, right? And so afterwards, this is one of the best things he did. Is he he? I'm walking out, and he he's kind of like watching me. Like, am I going to say something? Is he going to say something? And and so I just kind of tried to slink out the door, and he goes, "You know what? You're better than that. You're better than that." And there's the lesson. Right. There's a lesson that's going to segue right into what I was going to say. Right. The thing that made Bob Baldwin different from every other teacher that I'd had, with a few exceptions that I've already named, is that uh, I don't remember what I said. I said something or I was behaving something, 
some way. And this you were was, misbehaving in this, class. This is before I got sober. So while I was still drinking. Okay. And so, and I was out of the army. So I had attitude and anger plus alcohol. I wow. was a fucking catch. Let me tell you. <laughs> and 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 so I said something because this school had, in addition to the culinary arts program, it had a restaurant that you worked in. And uh, pretty much everybody in the front of the house said, "We like you, but we don't want to work with you no more." Right. And so chef put me in the in the room and he says, "What the fuck are you doing?" Just like that. I'm like, "What?" He goes, "Who who do you think you are?" He goes, "You think you think you're all that in a bag of chips?" He goes, "Let me tell you something." And he went down the line and read me the riot act and basically said, "Just because you're an apprentice doesn't mean your 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 shit doesn't stink." He goes, "And let me tell you what." He goes, that girl, I think it, I must have been talking to a woman and I must have been talking down to her. He says, that woman's going to kick your ass in this world because she's going to have to work twice as hard against a male-dominated arena of, of people who are going to be here supervisors that she's going to have to fight tooth and nail physically and sexually to get ahead. And by the time she gets there five years from now, she's going to be better than you. He goes, and, and, and if she's black, ten times. He just totally read me the riot act. He goes, you need to look around and see who you're dealing with and what you're dealing with, and you need to take it down a notch. And he called me on that stuff all the time. He didn't mince words, and he he could stand toe-to-toe with me and get in my face, which I learned really well from. I respected that. But in addition to that, he he also said, look, if you're going to learn how to be a chef, you got to learn how to golf. Right, he had an extra set of clubs. He gave me an old wooden set of clubs, and and he took me out golfing and taught me how to golf. Right, little little things like that, but not because I needed to learn how to golf, but because that's what chefs did. And if you want to hang out with the chefs, you're going to have to learn how to hang out with the chefs. Right, right. And and that that mentorship, that teaching you not just what you need to know content wise, but how to exist in this world exactly. is another thing that teachers are so valuable for, um, especially the good ones, the the ones who give you the insight. And John, you, I mean, I cannot, I cannot express deeply enough how important and how necessary it is to have that teacher who has that set of standards and holds you to those standards. Right. Yeah, you think your shit doesn't stink. You, you've got all this talent, but you are lazy. Oh, you want to talk about an arrow to the heart? There it is right there. Yeah. Because talent means nothing if yeah. you don't have the drive and determination to put your head down and do the work that needs to be done. I see that all the time working in the arts. There are a lot of people who are very talented and, right. and they, they walk on stage. They walk in day one, head and shoulders above everybody else. But about six months later, <laughs> they're starting to flounder. And at the end of the year, they've been passed. Because right. the people around them have worked and worked and worked to get better, and right. they've tried to skate on their talent, and that doesn't cut it. And when I've had teachers who have had high standards, there, I remember I had a professor in college who was brutal with writing papers. He handed out things at the beginning of the year that said, what you were expected to write like five papers in this class, and here's my sheet on grammar. Every grammatical mistake that I find is one letter grade. Here's my sheet on punctuation. Every punctuation error I find is one letter grade. Oh here's my, my thing on content, right? And we're just wide-eyed. And he meant it. Oh. And I worked my butt off on those papers. I got a B on one of those papers. I am most proud of that B because that's a B I worked my ass from hell to breakfast to right. get that B as opposed to other teachers I've had who will accept C, C minus work and give it an A minus because eh, you did the work. Right? Yeah. You, you don't have the same respect for those teachers. You may not like it. It right. might not feel good. Right. But if you buy into the standards that they're putting, you will improve as a human being. And it's so important to have those people in your life that are pushing you to be better and expect you to do the work. I love that so much. Yeah. I um I have worked in education for quite a bit of my life and We've all probably seen the teachers who <laughs> um, got into teaching because, gosh, I get a lot of time off. And, you know, right. I, I know a little bit about whatever, you know, science or math or whatever, and uh, seems like a great idea. And I get weekends off and summers off and and but they're not gifted at teaching. They're not called to teach. Um, and so they uh, 
they are less than good um, teachers, and no one enjoys their class. No one gets anything out of it. Including um, them. Right, exactly. How sad yeah. to to say, you know what, for the next 25 years, I'm going to do this. I'm going to show up. I don't really like it. But uh, yeah, you know, I get to water ski all, all uh, summer or whatever it is, you know, insert your favorite thing. Um there's, there's, when you find that thing that you're really good at, and if you're a teacher and you find it, th- there, there's a joy in what you do. And the joy is, it, like you said, Matt, it is passing on life lessons, really, because 90% of, of education from K to 12 is learning how to deal with other people. Right. You know? And and there's another aspect here that I want to touch on, and that is aside from the content side. Um, I'm I'm very blessed and I'm very lucky to teach a subject matter that is not a standardized test subject matter. I teach theater. Right. right? And so I have a lot more freedom in what I teach. And it's also something that allows my students respite from the pressure of other classes, from things they're not happy about. People don't, and you guys know this, people don't wake up in the morning in high school and go, man, I got to go to my math class today. That's what gets me going. No, they wake up and go, I want to go to my theater class today. I want to go to my music class today. I want to go to my art class today because I've got a project due or because I'm working on that painting that I'm going to finish up and I'm excited about it. That's what gets those kids out of bed and that's what gets those kids to school. So so you've got this kind of cadre of students that you're working with and, and you've got a tribe. You create a tribe and kids need that tribe to belong to. Right. You see the kids who do not belong to a tribe, whether it's sports, whether it's arts, whether it's the, the journalism club, whatever right. it may be, if they don't have that, they are untethered. And right. those are the students that you see getting in trouble academically, getting in trouble socially, getting in tr- trouble personally, because you you identify yourself as something. You're a band geek. You're a theater kid, you're a sports kid, whatever the case may be. And as soon as you give yourself that label, it lets you fit into what's going on. So as a person who's done work with a lot of theater kids, Mm -hmm. I can tell you that I have also been a life raft for a lot of those kids as their teacher, when they can't talk to their parent about something, when something is happening uh, socially or romantically, to be the person that has uh, gained their trust, to be the person that will help them as a true mentor and as an adult who cares for their actual well-being Mm -hmm. prevents suicides, prevents dropouts, prevents all kinds of harm that happens because there is a teacher there who genuinely cares for that student and that student knows that cannot be understated. That's amazing and such a fabulous point. So, um, teachers, yes, definitely are part of our healing process. Actually, they're part of the process that keeps us healthy, I think. Yeah, better, better put. Yeah. I mean, um, they, te- teachers can be healing, but, but the life lessons and the, and the keeping us healthy part is, is perhaps even more important. And I think even as adults, we find those things that teach us. You know, we find that, that special podcast, um, or we find that, uh, teacher online or whatever it is that that keeps us going because the minute you stop learning um and this is from an old woman so you have to listen the minute you stop learning is the minute that you start going downhill yeah so yes absolutely and and that engagement as well as as an adult learner um as as you know, as someone who, yeah, I've done all my school stuff, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to sign up for classes where I do homework, but I do want to sign up for something where I'll learn something new. And again, the idea of being in the presence of someone who is passionate about what they do, someone who is there to genuinely spark your interest and help you improve. Um, it, that is, that's helpful. It's healing. It's, it's, it's refreshing to your soul and to your person. And Definitely. you're rightly. So when, when we get into a situation where we're stagnant, 
Mm-hmm. where we're not looking for those opportunities to grow, to expand, to learn new things, to challenge our thoughts and beliefs, then I, I think it's fair to say that's when you start dying. That's yeah. when you start a downhill slide towards why Why bother? Why get up? Right. Why continue on? Right. But there's the good news is there's always things out there that you can expand on. There are always things out there that you can improve on. And if you take the time and take the effort then it's a never-ending thing. I know, I, I'm sure you guys do as well. I know people well into their 80s and 90s who are vibrant and excited and great to hang around with, and those people are active, and those people are always trying to learn. Uncle Jimmy. Uncle Jimmy, straight up. My my dad, my dad's older brother, is he's what, 91, 92 now? Yeah, yeah. Playing golf, playing tennis every day, got a girlfriend, went up to go visit him after my dad died, and uh, all my cousins were there. I'm like, where's Uncle Jimmy? He's in Las Vegas with his girlfriend. <laughs> like, I want to be Uncle Jimmy when I'm 90. I'm, t- I'm telling you right now. Mad respect for Uncle Jimmy. Doesn't and sharp as a tack still. I mean, if you have conversations with him, it's just, it's fantastic to talk with him. Um, and similarly, when when I went to visit Susie in Washington, uh, you know, I again, I hadn't seen her for a long time. And I was worried that I'd see some, you know, lovely, frail old lady in a wheelchair right. who could barely talk. Oh my lord, she's five foot nothing, and she can walk me into the ground. And and we had great conversations, and she hasn't skipped a beat. And part of it is because she is keeping herself engaged and active, and always challenging herself to learn something new. That's fabulous! What a great experience to get to go back and see her. That must have been so fulfilling. I'm still jazzed about it. Yeah. 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 So for sure, listener, that's one of our lessons today is is if you have a favorite teacher and you haven't contacted them or you never told them thank you, today would be a good day to do that. I like right? that. Yep. And, or, and I will or, genuinely tell you it's never too late because as a teacher, if I get right. a letter from someone who was my student 15 years ago, it right. still warms my heart. And, uh, you, and you bump into them all the time, right? I do. I, and I'm so proud of them. That's the other thing. I'm proud of my students. And if you were a student of mine, you will always be my student. Right. And if you succeed, I will celebrate your successes. And right. if you need help, I am here to support you. You will always be my student. But listen, listen, listener, Matt, Matt won't tell you this, but he's the kind of teacher that if you were a student and 10 years later, you're producing a play and you happen to be directing a play and you look out on opening night into the audience <laughs> and he's sitting center stage, <laughs> you're going to lose your vowels because <laughs> teacher Matt's in the room, right? But I mean, that's mad respect too. Right, you exactly. And, and you are not wrong. And, and you know, some students are like, oh my gosh, Matt's here. I've got to do great. I don't, you're, I'm here because I love you guys. I'm here because right. I'm so proud of you and excited. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. If you, empty your bowels and fall off the stage i'll still applaud yeah, it'll okay. be good. and i'll think it's funny and right i remember when you wrote that <laughs> <laughs> i was there when you pitched it to me <laughs> i love it all right well i think that's all we got for today guys i am uh so happy you got to join us again matt we'll probably do another one with some kind of thing coming up uh final thoughts lisa um if you have a great teacher who was once in your life, make the effort. Sometimes you got to dig a little, do some Facebook, do some, you know, searches, but find that teacher and say thank you. Uh, I'm real big on if you see him on the sidewalk, come up behind him and put your hand over their eyes and, and hug them really tight and say, <laughs> guess who? No. No, probably no. not. No. Matt? Uh, keep learning. Always keep learning and, and pursue those opportunities with passion. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. You you are amazing and uh, and always a wonderful interview. Thank you so much. Thanks. It's fun talking to you guys. All right. Thanks. All right, guys. Have a wonderful day. Hug a teacher. Pet a dog. Peace <laughs> out. 